This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. from the Shea Stevenson studio here in Southern California, at least one half of us, we have DB uh, calling in from quarantine up in Edmonton, the Pacific Northwest. I don't know. Does that count as the Pacific Northwest, DB? No, come on. Man, it's <laughs> the prairie. Know. Let's go. Come on. The, the prairies. The true quarantine episode. I am in quarantine right now as we speak. So this is like DB's tales of the quarantine. So I've been in quarantine for seven days. I'm here for seven more, and then uh, the way the timing is, is the cup final won't start till probably next Saturday or Sunday. So I'll be attending the cup final at uh, Rogers Arena. So it's very exciting that you get to attend the cup final because the rest of us haven't been to hockey in forever. But um, quarantine, you know, it's one thing to be quarantined in your house, DB. You have the big screen TV. You know, you have the yeah. luxur- luxurious couch. You have a refrigerator full of food. <laughs> um, you know, you even have a pool outside. So, you know, if yeah. either one of us are at home quarantined, it's not that bad. But you're in a hotel room. What's that like? Yeah. Well, it, man, they actually took care of us with the double tree, so I'm going to give them a plug downtown in Edmonton. So what they did is they gave us a, basically a one-bedroom suite. So it's not just a room. It's basically there's a sitting area with a couch, probably a 45-inch flat screen, and a separate room where the bedroom and bathroom is. So it's, it's not as bad as you think. The first night was a challenge, I think, emotionally, just being away from home because, you know, I, I haven't been away for a month, and it's going to be a month from home probably in 15 years. So this that mindset can i do it am i going to struggle but then and there were some technical issues with um uh with uh, our show hot stove that i couldn't use my comrades box so there were there were some challenges the first 24 hours but once that got straightened out and then i became a really good instacart user so i've been going online <laughs> ordering groceries there's a kitchenette with a uh, a uh a refrigerator and a um a microwave so it's really not that bad Joe. to be honest with you. and to be frank i didn't go out much at home I didn't see many people other than you coming over to record Kingsville podcast, so it hasn't really been that difficult. 
Okay. Um, so so the, you're, how are the Hot Pockets? That's all I need to know. No, I don't do Hot Pockets. No, what, I did do Harvey's, which I've never done Harvey's before, okay. which is a burger joint in Canada. It was actually very good. So I've got no Hot Pockets. I do. Uh, you know what? Here's how great my wife PJ is. She snuck two packages of red vine. There you go. My luggage. There you go. So, uh, there you go. See, so it's a good I know woman. You're a big fan of PJ. So, uh, well, yeah, well, but it's been standard fare. Yeah. Barry T's is closed in Edmonton, so there's really nowhere for me to go. I would be quarantined if I was there anyway. Um, <laughs> the, but hey, I have a question though, and, and be honest here. Let us know the truth here, DB. Who, who's on the couch and who's in the... So is that you on the couch or is Panyota, does he get the couch in the other room? No, Panyota can't come in the, he can't come in the room. He can drop <laughs> off some pasta and meatballs um, at the door. But yeah, John, I'll give you the scenario of what happened in my travels here. Okay. Um, I went through Calgary um, and I got to customs and I must have looked a little sketchy because they sent me over to the health department. They have two people from the, the Board of Health at the airport. I had to do a little mini interview. Talked about, you know, credentials for the cup fauna, where I'm going to stay, things of that nature. Um, they put you in the system, and then they contact trace. They can call you on your phone. They can actually show up at your hotel room to make sure you're in the hotel room. They're not messing around. Well, um, you're, like, a, call. you're yeah. like in the UFC drug program where the, the inspector am, from WADA can show up at your door at 6 See? in the morning. <laughs> God's honest truth. Somebody from the Board of Health can show up here to make sure I'm, I'm adhering to the quarantine. Have they? No, they have not. I got a call today, a recorded call from the government congratulating me on going through the first seven days. Whoa. And reminding me the second seven days are just as important as the first seven days with respect to the quarantine. But the funny thing is, John, you know, we have friends over at the NHL, and they go, how did Dennis get in the country? Because I was originally supposed to fly through Vancouver and connect through Air Canada. I couldn't get, I couldn't check in online, so I switched to WestJet. I connected to Calgary. And the people from the NHL told us that people that flew through Vancouver they, that wanted to attend the final, right. they didn't want to be allowed in the country. Right. So I was like, I, I really kind of outfoxed them. Hopefully they won't change their mind over the next seven days. <laughs> Wait till uh, you get the next recorded been, call. Mr. Bernstein, exactly. next, we, yeah. we have now identified that you should not be in the country. <laughs> exactly. So it's just, you know, John, this is just about, and John, you know, you and I have done a lot over the last 15, 20 years, right? This is about witnessing history. I mean, of right now, I think, with respect to Dave being in the building, there's maybe 12 to 14 media members in the building. There may be a little bit more for the cup final, mm-hmm. but to be in the building to experience that, to see a little bit of history, um, you know, that, that's what I'm here for, right? Because I don't get any more access than you do with respect to, you know, going on the media site and doing the Zoom calls or anything like that. But to be in the building, which I understand is so friggin' freezing, mm-hmm. like you got to go from like it's 78 degrees here. They got people got to wear their overcoats inside the arena because it's, it's ice cold and they want to keep the ice cold. And it's been uh, it's been challenging for the media people in there because they're freezing their butts off yeah. covering the game. It's funny when you mentioned going through Calgary, it brought me back to my very first trip to Edmonton. I was supposed to be routed through Calgary. I, I, I'm a sleeper, as you know, on the plane. Yeah. So I was asleep, yeah. and when we landed, I was totally confused because we were routed to Regina, which I didn't know because I slept through sort of the announcement or whatever. And I was, sure. I woke up, you know, half dazed and confused, and why am I in Regina and what's going on? And I'm supposed to be in, you know, Edmonton. I'm not even thinking about Calgary. So I, I got to chuckle when you when you said that. Um, but yeah, when when you're when you're in 
when you're able to experience something that's rather exclusive, DB, it, it, it is a pretty cool feeling, and this is exclusive. This is yeah. a this is history. Um, I remember I was at the the UFC gym one time for Ultimate Fighting, uh, for the mm-hmm. Ultimate Fighter, the show, and you know it's a closed set, so you know it's totally right. different than going in and watching UFC at the arenas with you know fifteen thousand fans. When you're inside the you know the gym and there's like you know ten people that are there, it's uh, it's a totally different experience, and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like to actually watch NHL hockey in, in an empty arena. I mean, seeing it on TV is one thing, but I, you don't know this, DB, because I, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you today, but I was actually yeah. talking to um, some folks in LA Kings PR this week just about uh, mm-hmm. p- the planning and whatnot that's going to be going on at sure. Staples Center. And as we started talking through, you know, that they don't know about how many media and what the fans, right. what, how many fans are going to, and I just, I, it was really the first time that I had started thinking about it because the only times that I had really thought about it up until now were related to being in the bubbles in Toronto and, and Edmonton. Sure. But I started thinking about, wow, we might be at empty game, you know, empty arena games yeah. at Staples Center and just how bizarre that's going to be knowing that, you know, when we're in that building, it's like, being in our home we just we're so used to being up and down the elevators and in the different rooms and you know uh, having really complete access to the building but to, this would be a totally different experience after after 20 years of attending games there yeah and the thing and i was on uh, vegas hockey hotline with ron Westington, and he asked me a question like what's the cup celebration like, like <laughs> you know because i've been on that ice for the last sure. seven years i'm like going Dude, the they're not letting me close the, the right like, oh, are you crazy like we're gonna be upstairs and stuff like that so it's just just so different times, John, and it's just crazy. But uh, I got an opportunity, and the league uh, approved us for credentials, so certainly I'm going to take an opportunity to sacrifice, John. Right? It's tough being away from home for a month. It's tough being in a hotel room for two weeks. But there's some things you got to do that uh, have to be uh, have special access, and that's what we decided to do. For sure. Honored to have the access there. And the NHL, we can't say it enough, they've done a wonderful job in the presentation of these games. It's, it's been the best of all the pro sports that have returned. Just a wonderful job to the National Hockey League. And, and DBU, uh, you're not having to deal with it being here in Southern California, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to anybody that's on the front lines dealing with all of the yeah. fires and everything. Uh, they're far better men than we are, doing things that are far more important than, than what we are doing here. And, uh, you know, uh, our, our wishes are with them and, and hoping that they continue to remain safe and, and healthy the world is already crazy enough in 2020 and now to have to deal with these fires as well it's just uh you know more than some people can handle so so thank you to yeah. all of the uh, people in those communities that are that are dealing with that uh the firefighters yeah, yeah on the people on the front lines not just the firefighters but anybody on the front lines thank you and uh and db awkward uh segue there but uh let's take a quick break head to the first period and when we come back on the other side we have a special guest a return guest making his second appearance on kings of the podcast right after the break Welcome back to the second period, where DB and the mayor are now joined by a first-round draft pick from 2005. He's won the Lady Bing Memorial Trophy, the Selkie Trophy, and two Stanley Cups. He was a 2018 Hart Trophy finalist. He's played in over 1,000 NHL games and is the captain of the Los Angeles Kings. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome number 11, Anje Kopitar. 
LA Kings captain, two-time Stanley Cup champion, fresh back in Southern California after, of course, being overseas. People, you would know this if you followed him on Instagram, Anjay Kopitar. Kopi, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you, fellas. Thank you. How was your, your trip? I don't know if it's really the right thing to call it, uh, considering 2020 has been such a dumpster fire, but how, how was your uh, jaunt overseas? Well, you know what? All things considered, it was uh, it was pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, we all know uh, from March on, it was very strange world. We, I guess, we're still living in, but uh, uh, all in all, we we had a really good time. It was nice and relaxing. We got to spend some uh, some time with the family and uh, kind of recharge. And uh, now, slowly, starting to get back in the thick of things. Now, when you were on with us right before the season started, uh, you had mentioned you normally take about three months off, mid-April to mid-July. Uh, this has been obviously a different time, and you have the Hockey Academy over there and some different things. So just how have you adapted your schedule to all of this time off and, and still trying to stay in shape and be prepared and, and all that sort of good stuff? Yeah, I mean, just at first, just trying to you know keep up the conditioning um, as much as I could. Uh, I'll be honest with you, it was, it was a little bit harder mentally since you don't know what's going on and when you're going to start again. But, uh, now when, you know, soft dates are out again, uh, you can, you know, you kind of do the math on when you're going to be ready and when the training camp summer starts or the season and, uh, you know, you do your math obviously and in the training when, uh, when training, when you got to be at your peak and, uh, away you go. Hey, Cope, uh, you mentioned your, your hockey academy. So, how how far away are we from getting the next Andre Kopitar out of Slovenia in the NHL? Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's uh, let's hope not too far. But uh, you know what the the academy is. I mean, for for kids, where right. you know we got three group uh, three age groups, and it's uh, you know the first one from seven to ten, and you got ten to thirteen. And you got 13 to 16 or 17. So, uh, you know, the 16 and 17, you can kind of gauge it a little bit. But, I mean, you guys have been around hockey. You, you can't pinpoint a kid that it's uh, – unless you're Connor McDavid or, or Sidney Crosby. I don't think you can pinpoint him at, at 12 that he's going to be an NHL superstar. You just ruined it for every NHL scout out there right now who's trying to uh, predict where all these 12- and 14-year-old kids are going to go. But – Hey, uh, you talked about uh, having some family time. I before we jump too far into it, uh, how is Gasper? We know he had the injury and, and tore up his, his what his ACL or his MCL, tore up his knee. How are things going? How's he doing? Uh, he's doing good. Yeah, I mean, he uh, yeah, that was the uh, I guess the unlucky part of the trip. I think it was about a weekend or ten days in where uh, we went to go play some soccer and uh, his, his knee popped and then he had the surgery, but now he's. He's back rehabbing and he's doing pretty well. Good. Have you have you given him uh, or has he picked up a scouting job yet? I, I'm going to ask that every time I talk to you forever because I I don't want him to coach. I want him to scout. I need I need him out scouting players and providing us. It's very selfish, uh, by the way. I need him providing scouting reports to Mayor's Manor. I love the dude's hockey brain. I think that he just he's great at he's great at looking at young players and then actually going, hey, I think this kid's going to turn out to be something. He's he's never steered me wrong, so I'm waiting for him to get an official scouting job and for somebody to pay him. Uh, not yet. I mean, I, I do agree with you that he's got a great hockey brain and a, and a really good hockey eye. But as of right now, he's 
still staying with with the Junior Kings, and hopefully, or uh, I don't know what he wants to do, but uh, I guess to your point, we'll, we'll get him into scouting as as soon as we can. So, Colby, seems like it's like ten years since you know we last saw you playing Staples Center, but it's really a story of two seasons, right? You had the the poor beginning, but the seven game winning streak at the end of the season. I know it's hard to transfer over, but like, what signs did you see in those last few weeks that tells you that this is going to be a, a better season come um, the 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one thing that, uh, you know, we got to pinpoint out those games in March. I, I hate to say it, but they were pretty meaningless, you know, since mm-hmm. we were out of uh, out of the playoff race and, and pretty much stuck at the bottom. But uh, at the same time, um, some of the guys took the opportunity to kind of showcase themselves. And I, I like, uh, I, I really like what, what I saw from, from our hockey team. I know, listen, it's, it's, you know, it's something you can go out and there's no, not a whole lot of pressure whatsoever. Um, just because we were in a position that we were, so you go out and play, but now we got to transfer that into, uh, into the next season where, you know, I don't know when that's going to be, but when you have mm-hmm. about 20 to 25 games left in the season, that they're all going to be meaningful. And then, uh, we'll see yeah. how our team responds. And, you know, if we, I guess, if we start up like like we finished off the last season, then we'll be in good shape. Just sort of building on that, Cope. La- um, I went back earlier this week and listened to your first uh, visit into Kings of the Podcast, just to to recalibrate and see if there was anything interesting in there. And one thing that stood out to me was you you said coming into this past season that the Kings are going to need some kids to step in, step up, fill some holes in the lineup, and eventually replace some of the core that's been together. You know, for the last eight you know, 10 plus years um, it, it towards the end of the season. Maybe it was a small sample size. Maybe it's not completely fair, but any scouting reports or thoughts, observations on anybody that sort of stood out, maybe, you know, Gabe Velarde, Martin Furk, uh, Mikey Anderson on defense and anybody that uh, you want to offer some opinions on. I mean, yeah, uh, we're all, I mean, you guys are watching more games obviously than me since, since you guys are up top and, and you see all of that. I'm, I'm kind of stuck being uh, actually in the game. Uh, but no, I, I really like the attitude of Mikey Anderson. Uh, not just the attitude, the the, the play uh, on the ice. I really liked. I, I thought Gabe, you know, coming in, he was a big question mark. He stepped in and and he was confident on the ice, making making plays and, and making good plays for us. You know, getting getting some points on the board with, which for a young kid is always uh, is always pretty important. You know, when, when you come in and you're always used to scoring and producing then if sometimes if it doesn't go that way right away you kind of get discouraged so I really like that from Gabe I mean Marty first we all know he's got a cannon of a shot so hopefully we can team him up as much as we can for for him to use that and then I think Blake was off throughout throughout the um, throughout the season which was solid obviously we we're going to need a little bit more from him but uh you know, there were steps in the right direction. I thought Adrian Kempe looked really good by the end. I don't know if that was because we moved him on the wing mm-hmm. or not, but uh, I, uh, you know, I really liked what I saw from him. So, so let's look a little forward. So um, most of the Twitter questions we get are about what the Kings are going to do at number two. And two names keep coming up, Quentin Byfield and uh, Tim Skutzweig from uh, Germany. And uh, I think I talked to you about this. Uh, Greg Button said that Quentin Byfield projects as the next Andre Kopitar. So your thought on having another Andre Kopitar in the organization? Oh, I'll take him in a heartbeat. Why not? 
Uh, I mean, you know, the, the draft, these, these young kids, obviously when you're, when you're picking that high, it's, it's almost a for sure thing. Right. But, uh, we gotta, we gotta give the kids obviously some time. Wh- whoever we pick it to, I know there's going to be, uh, quite a bit of pressure on them, but you gotta give the kids time. I mean, you gotta, you know, let him develop. And when he's ready, I mean, if it's ready right away, great. If not, we'll be patient and, uh, we'll, we'll get it, uh, we'll get him in the lineup as, as soon as we can. Copa, you're never going to make it on Twitter. That's not the way that, that it works. Hockey fans want every young player to play in the NHL right away, to play 25 minutes a night, and to play on the top line. So patience is totally out the window. It's like it, it, it's, it doesn't exist, just so you know. Okay. All right. Good, good to know. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you, though. It, it, fast forward one year. Uh, last year when we had you on the pod, we were talking about Todd coming in and, and sort of building your relationship with him. Now that you have uh, roughly 12 months under your belt with McClellan, can you just maybe talk about um, your impressions, the relationship, where things stand, how it all came together, maybe some of the the challenges that you guys had to build bridges over and things like that? Just where do we stand one year later uh, when it comes to you and McClellan? I mean, me and and, and Todd, I I really like working with him or, you know, having him behind our bench. I think he's a a very straight shooter. you know, obviously, you guys have, have interviewed him, and he's he's speaking his mind, and that's that's all you want. You know, there's not a whole lot of mind games going on where, um, you know, you don't really know where you stand with him. I feel like you you know exactly where you are, so uh, that's great. I think he's he's a really good teacher, and uh, at the same time, a really good motivator. So, um, you know, I think for a young team that is trying to take the next step, I think he's a really good coach, and uh, I think. And, or I know that he's going to continue doing that and uh, continue doing a good job for us. I'm believing that you haven't watched a lot of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but have you watched any sport since sports has come back? The, very little. Uh, probably more golf than anything. <laughs> That's right. But uh, I've, I've watched a little bit of hockey lately. I've watched a little bit of basketball. So, uh, But I won't be glued to the TV, that for sure. How's your golf game? Is it getting better? Did you play a lot over the summer? I, I did play a little bit, and it's improving just a touch. <laughs> I think you told us you were a six handicap. I, I mean, how much better is it going to get there? Come on, Cope. Well, I mean, I, 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 we just had, what, six months, so <laughs> it's going to improve a little bit. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, speaking of other sports, so the Kentucky Derby recently happened, and I'm sure that you, you know by now that Dennis's horse won, but my question is more <laughs> this. There's... Um, <laughs> There, there are still. I'm pretty fortunate. I've done a lot of things in my life, but uh, there are still two big things on my personal bucket list. One is attending the Indy 500, and one is going to the Kentucky Derby. And I'm just curious, uh, what's left on your bucket list? Do you have a couple of things? Yeah, there's a few things. Uh, I would most certainly uh, like to do the um, the Kentucky Derby, but I think the top of my list would would probably uh, be the the Masters tournament. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh. So uh, haven't uh, haven't done yet. Uh, besides being on the couch and watching it on TV, but I'd really like to go there and and watch that tournament. 
Keep going, man. Oh, okay. Like, like, <laughs> uh, we were trying to alternate there, Kobe. We were trying to split the time up there evenly. So, okay. Uh, here's one. You, you keep posting pictures of your pool now. Now, last year, we did uh, we did a couple of remotes throughout the season. We still haven't been able to get Dennis out to Ontario. We'll save that for a different show. But we've, we've done a couple of remotes uh, in different places. So, we do need to know, when are you having us over to the pools for live Kings of the Podcast, you know, poolside? Well, in the times that we live right now, if this was a couple of years ago, I'd have you over tomorrow, no problem. Okay. But now we're we're gonna have to stay safe. And, All right, uh, you're getting off easy then. See when we can do it. Sorry, <laughs> that's just the way it is now. Fair enough. Hey, Cope, was there was there a lot of COVID uh, at home in Slovenia? Um, no, they, well, now it's spiking in a little bit, just mm-hmm. since the borders open up. But uh, right. when they were in the thick of things, you know, they closed the borders now and. You know, obviously, it's a lot easy, easier to contain 2 million people than, uh, of course. you know, uh, 12 million that it is in, in you know, L.A. or L.A. County. So uh, it's uh, it got down pretty quick, and it, it was getting relaxed. And then when the borders open, it, it kind of spiked sure. a little bit. So now they're, uh, they're doing a pretty good job again of somewhat isolating and, and getting the numbers uh, under control. Kopi, we had Trevor Lewis on recently, and he was telling us uh, about some of his text messages with with Dewey. And, and this is a two part question, I guess. We also were recently talking about Daryl Sutter texting, so I am curious: Does Daryl text? We can't seem to get to the bottom of that. Number one, and number two, does Dewey have any concept of time, or was he texting you when you were over in Europe at like three in the morning because he doesn't understand what time it is over there? No, no, he he knows what's up. Oh. He's uh, and you know, I guess. Uh, it is only six hour time difference since he's in uh, in London. Okay. I'm over there, so he might have gotten lucky a couple of times. So no, he's got a sense of time. Okay, good. Uh, and with Daryl, he does text. It's just sometimes you need a translator. That's that's what it is. But he does text. So, so it's basically like the press conferences, is what you're telling me. There you go. Okay. Hey, Cole, I got one last one for you. So there's a possibility that. They're trying to start the season December first. If they don't, maybe January first. But like, how weird? And you watch some of these games. There's a likelihood that there's no fans in the stands. So when's the last time you played in front of no fans? And is it going to be weird to play at Staples Center without anybody in the building? If that's the way it's going to open the season? Uh, I don't know when was the last time where we didn't have any fans. It Mm -hmm. must have been probably like a. A, a scrimmage like a LA King scrimmage, but even mm-hmm. even at that at that point, you know, fans show up and watch. So I don't sure. know the last time with that. And yes, it's going to be very strange. I mean, when when Staple gets rocking, we all know that can be one of the loudest build, buildings in the league. So um, having nobody there, it's it's going to be weird. Kopi, let's end with some word association. Are you up for that? Yeah, let's do a few. All right. So I'm I'm just gonna say something and then you tell us the first thing that comes to mind when you hear that particular player's name. Dustin Brown. Okay. Uh, hard hitter. Aya follow. Speedy. Kempe. Uh nice hair. <laughs> knew it. I knew it. We all need to know, though, right now. Did Kempe grow the flow back? You know, because he cut it last year. Has he has he grown it back yet during quarantine? Do you know? I don't know. All Actually, right. he's been pretty quiet on 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 yeah. Instagram, so I haven't I haven't seen it yet. All right. Well, we're all eager to find out. Uh, back to word association. Yeah. Drew Doughty. 
uh, <laughs> emotions. Jonathan Quick. Uh, flexible. Ryan Getzloff. Uh, Tuck. <laughs> Joe Thornton. Say that again? Joe Thornton. Oh, uh, goofball. Tyler, say again. Uh, power play. And Taylor Hall. Uh, good skater. All right. So, Kopi, last year you called your shot on your way out the door. You wanted us to play Old Town Road as your, your outro music. What do you have for us this year? Any, any cuts you'd like us to play? Uh, you know what? This year I'll let you guys pick. All right. Well, there you go. The captain of the LA Kings, Andre Kopitar. We appreciate you uh, stopping by. Welcome back to the States. Uh, look forward to seeing you again as training camp gets going. November 17th, if you haven't already circled that on your calendar, is when we hear training camp is going to open. It's going to be here uh, quicker than most of us know. So thanks again for your time. Really enjoy you stopping by the podcast. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You're the best, Coach. Thank you for doing All right. No problem, guys. Have a good one. I'm the dreams you had walking down railroad tracks, you and Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Okay, we're back with the third period. Dennis Bernstein, uh, any any thoughts there about our, our guest, Andre Kopitar, dropping by for mm-hmm. his second appearance on Kings of the Podcast? Yeah, we just came off the first time. It's been a year, John. It's like a year anniversary. He's a guest on our first podcast. So, no, he sounds good. He sounds he's ready to go. I'm sure he's a little bit bored, you know, and having not played. You know, for a long time, but uh, it sounds good, and uh, I'm glad he decided to join us again and, and go over some things. I'm not sure about that award association with Ryan Getzlaff, but <laughs> other than that, it was a it was a really solid appearance. Well, DB, I almost had to abort the mission because I had I had Getzlaff, and then I had you know uh, Jumbo and a couple of other guys. But if he just would have right. gone down and started naming Pacific Division teams, I was going to have to just uh, <laughs> abort the word association. We all know what teams they play for. Um, I, you know what my 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 one takeaway, and I'm sure that when I think back, I'll I'll have some other ones, but the first one that comes to mind is the positive feedback that he gave on Adrian Kempe as he was talking about some of yeah. his teammates. He really, really had some positive things there to say about Adrian Kempe, who's somebody that he hasn't really played with and was even playing further down the lineup last year. He was often playing in the third and fourth line, and yet it's somebody that stood out to, to Andre. Yeah, well, I think people also recalibrated. And I don't think we're ever going to look at a 25-goal score here. That if he can chip in 15 to 20 and, you know, he'll be fine. But, I, yeah. And I think I, I got that sense in talking to players during the season that when they did make that switch, they put him on the left wing and just gave up that experiment in the middle. Um, just a lack of responsibility on the wing, you know, as you know, John. So mm-hmm. I just think that, that Adrian's just more comfortable there. If they get a productive player out of him, they got him on a, on a multi-year deal now. So, it, you know, it's up to him to, to produce. If he can kick up the production, he can still get a nice contract in the next one. 
And what's also so interesting is when you project out the lineup for this coming season, he's at on the second line playing left wing with Gabe Velarde in the middle, Martin Furk yeah. over on the wing. He's all of a sudden now bringing veteran leadership to that line, which is which is interesting, right? It's laughable. I mean, it's, yeah. it's I mean, it's not laughable in the in the rude sense, but it's just like wow that Adrian yeah. Kempe he just grew up before our eyes. He went from being a prospect to a young player, and now he's the veteran on a line with Gabe Velarde and Martin Furk. So uh, it, it, a very fascinating second line and we're going to have to see how that comes together. Now, at the same time, DB, just to, uh, to move on uh, through the roster, we've, we've been talking uh, either amongst ourselves or on different radio shows yeah. recently, Twitter, whatnot, about some of the contracts. There really are only two sure. contracts remaining at the big club level, which would be Matt right. Luff and Sean Walker. Nothing appears to be imminent with either of those two deals, but um, what, what do you think about the Sean Walker deal? Uh, would you like to see yeah. a two? I mean, I think it's more than two. I think it could be a four-year deal potentially. Yeah, well, what goes to four, John, they're going to have, it's going to go, here's what I think on the numbers. I think three to four years, probably somewhere two and a half to three million. It'll go up if they're buying free agent years back from Sean Walker. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's my understanding of the negotiations. Probably two and a half to three million. I mean, he's arbitration eligible. There's all kinds of scenarios. That I'm sure you know, John, there's probably a two or three or four and a, two or three and a four year deal on the table as far as I know right now. And, and, uh, Look, for a guy who, who made a presence, who established his play on the second pair, um, that's going to be a nice deal for him. So, yeah, I would expect probably two to four. And like I said, if it goes to four, they got to buy a couple of free agent years, so they'll get a little bit of a bump. But for a guy who played that amount of time and was productive offensively, that's going to be a nice deal for him. What do you think? Well, I think it, the most fascinating thing to me about this is really you're talking about two undrafted players who came in right. and, and they were able to prove themselves. Uh, one That's of them right. is an established NHL player in Sean Walker. Matt Luff's chomping at the bit. He'll make the NHL roster this year unless something goes terribly wrong here over the next couple of months. He's expected to be part of the, the lineup in Los Angeles. And so you have two players who were able to secure spots. So it's one thing to draft players and develop them, but let's never lose sight of the fact it's also important to add young players into your prospect pool or into your young player pool into your pipeline into your system and develop those players as well and you can look back over history just recently with the kings you can talk about players like martin jones and there are other right. players that they didn't draft but they still added cal peterson wasn't one of their draft picks jake muzzin wasn't right. one of their draft picks so there have been yeah, a lot of uh, other examples back more specifically to the contract i would be shocked if it's a two-year deal for walker only because uh, that would not be the King's preference, and you would, uh, especially with the cap, you know, sort of certainty yeah. yet uncertainty, right? Certainty in the sense that we have a flat cap for the next couple of years, but the uncertainty yeah. about what's going to happen beyond that. And when you look at so many young players who are going to need uh, bridge or, you know, bigger, larger better deals, deals. In, right. yeah, better yeah. deals in the out years, you're going to want to buy down some of this, and you're going to want to have right. some certainty. Sean Walker is one of those players you're going to want to lock up. So unless Walker's camp is really, uh, you know, intent on gambling uh, with him being able to get a big deal. That's the only reason why I think that you would end up signing a two-year deal is just really if that camp is insistent upon uh, signing, you know, one of those bridge-type deals for a couple of years. I think that if you're the Kings, you really want to try to lock down maybe a four-year deal, not even three, but really go for four because you're going to need some cost certainty. Uh, and the Matt, the Matt Luff contract, um, you know, you could see two uh, years out of that. They, they've been 
they've like two to three years has kind of been the sweet spot for most of their younger players. So we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah, and right. then there's going to be some AHL ads that will that will happen as well. Uh, from what we understand, try to get some AHL deals done because you you are going to need somebody beyond Sutter down at the American League level um, playing with all these kids with Turcotte, Nikhil Thomas, and, yep. and you know yep. and the list is is long. But uh, it is nice to see that some of the the Kings prospects are are slowly migrating back to Southern California. Akil Thomas is in town now, um, and yep. I'm sure you're going to see more and more of those those guys as uh, as things start to open up. We just need that development camp uh, uh, DB to yeah, uh, right. to get locked in so that we know that there's some organized sort of scrimmages, and I'm sure that that Robo wants to get uh, going with his players as well. And you know, DB, I'm sure that you you did not have this on your calendar, but I will let you know. Not only is this week the one year anniversary of Kings of the Podcast, so happy anniversary, my friend, but yeah. also we we're supposed to be in Tucson this week for the NHL really? rookie. Well, at least I uh-huh. planned on being there for the NHL right. rookie showcase, which um, uh-huh. I was able to drag you out uh, to Irvine last year. Oh, and- yeah, no, Irvine was fantastic. That, uh, that facility is just amazing. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, I look back two years ago when the NHL, now, uh, let me take a step even further back. The Kings and Coyotes sort of did this during rookie camp for many, many years uh, um, here over the last 10 years or so. But having that NHL rookie showcase in Vegas two years ago, now there are only two sheets of ice there in Vegas at their facility in Summerlin. But to have six NHL teams, you had uh, Colorado there, you had uh, well Arizona, uh, you had LA, Anaheim, San Jose, you had all these teams that were there and that were playing. And to see all of those future NHL stars in one location, those games were very competitive. Uh, it was a lot, a lot of fun. The Kings didn't do so well the first year, uh, and then the yeah. second year to beat down in Irvine at that sprawling facility, which you know we keep telling everybody, if you haven't been there, you need to get there. It's it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Oh, it's building. multiple sheets of ice. I mean, it's just it's fantastic. And now this this year, it was supposed to be in Phoenix. Um, so that the Coyotes were going to host. And then, um, as I reported last year, the Kings are looking to host, they were looking to host next season, but I would imagine that everything's been pushed back a year. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that officially, but I would imagine that really over the next three years, the way it's going to go, uh, Phoenix is probably going to have it next year. The Coyotes would host it in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. That is the Kings would have it the the following year. And then even the year after that, you'd have to imagine San Jose, uh, they're building their new place. They would right. have that. And then uh, if Palm Springs was ever to break ground, perhaps that Seattle would want to host this, uh, it, you know, before it ever makes it back to Vegas. I mean, that's going to that's gonna take you all the way, you know, uh, around that group of players. But the next three years should be locked in with, uh, like I said, yeah. with Phoenix, Los Angeles, and then San Jose. Are we going to be able to get you back out to one of those tournaments, DB? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Once things are normalized. Hey, back to Matt Luff for a second. Sure. You know, there, there's eyes on Matt Luff around uh, he's got offensive tools. So, and I know you were on with uh, Boomer Gordon today, I believe, um, mm-hmm. on doing Mayor's Minutes again. Um, and the, the scenario of possibly trading for a defenseman, um, it wouldn't shock me if one of the sweeteners in the deal was Matt Lock. Well, you look at you look at three players. I mean, really, you could extend it to five. There, there, there would be five bubble players, at least that I would consider uh, on this roster coming into the twenty twenty one season. You have uh, Trevor Moore. Carl Grundstrom, uh, Matt Luff, Amadio, and Wagner. Now, you you mm-hmm. can, depending upon what your what your interest is or what your what desire is, is right. what your need right. is, you could make the argument perhaps that one or two of those players are maybe less bubble players than the other. But that's fine. I'm 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 just saying that you know Alex Iafalo is not a bubble player. Matt, uh, right. uh, you know, right. even even a guy like Blake Lazat who wasn't expected to make the team last year. You just heard the captain in the third period talking about it. he's yeah. he's now on the NHL roster, so he's not a bubble player. When you look at that. 
that roster, um, those are the five guys. And so if you can yeah. potentially, you know, free up a spot for another young player uh, and, and by moving one of those players, if that's the if that's the price that it's going to cost you in a deal as one of the sweeteners, then I think you certainly have to look at that. So, you make the deal. yeah, right. look, the Kings, uh, they're in a position right now that they haven't been in before. Not been, ever, but I mean, recently they've been in cap hell forever, DB. So this is really yeah. this is really a whole new a whole new uh, no flexibility. Yeah, it's a whole new world for them. It's very flexible, right? So yep. unrestricted free agency is not the only way for them to add that left-handed shot. Yeah. They know what they're adding. They're going to add a left-handed shot uh, on the defensive right. side of things this this offseason heading into next year. The question is, are they going to do it via trade? Are they going to do it via free agency? Or could it be a young for young type situation? I personally yep. think that the young for young player is probably a summer too early. That's just my own personal opinion um, because I think that you need a little bit more uh, veteran and what I mean by that is a little bit more NHL experience in the player coming back to play on the defensive side of things it's not mm-hmm. about rushing a player with less than 100 games of NHL experience yeah, you know agreed. onto the blue yeah. line if you were willing to do that why not just roll the dice and just just go all in on having Bjornfoot and Clegg both play uh, right. You know, so if you're going to have those those two guys rotating as, on one of your defensive spots, you're really looking to add a veteran player because you already have a young player in in in, in Mikey Anderson. But uh, uh, yeah, trade. You want to throw it out there, DB? What 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 percentage would you say uh, it goes trade versus adding somebody via free agency? Oh, I think it's probably eighty twenty with respect to free agency versus trade. I don't see a trade. But really? Of course, what I, what I've said, and it will never happen, is they should they should offer Sergeyev six point two million per year for five years on an offer sheet, mm-hmm. and that would cost them a first and a third in twenty twenty one. Or you can offer a first and second attempt and say if you don't trade, make the trade, then we'll offer sheet. Right. So that's what I'm doing. It's never going to happen, but um, but I think it's free agency funding. And John, you threw out the names as well. You know, there, there's there's probably a group of three or four players that are free agents. That would help the team on the left side as a transitional defenseman. Um, somebody, uh, one of our pals, always suggested Nick Letty. I don't really see that. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd rather do it, obviously, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, uh, the, the Gunnarsons, the, the Joe Edmondsons, things of that nature, I, I think those are the players they look at. Cause it, you know, I mean, we've talked about this pretty consistently. Like, you need a, a player of transition, like for the Beyond Foots and the Clay to come in, be a veteran presence, put up some minutes like Bed did last season probably a little better quality minutes um, and transition this team. And the question is, and, and I know that Tory Bate, Tory Krug's name's been thrown out there, John, but I mean, you've been very astute about it uh, with, with Boomer today. Like, you know, at what point in time do they contend? Do you want to burn three years of a five-year deal for Corey, uh, Tory Krug at $7 million and only have two years left and he's 33 years old? Is really that, is that the right move? Mm-mm. I don't really think it is, to be honest with you. No, again, I think I think you're one summer away from from really even entertaining. I'm not I'm not saying making the swing. I'm saying from even entertaining it. Uh, I I just don't even think that the, that that is on the table at this particular moment. It's no. funny that you said. I mean, uh, 80, 20, 80 percent leaning towards unrestricted free agency. Um, I I'm starting to think that it's it's not quite fifty fifty, but I think that there definitely is going to be a higher possibility of a trade than just a twenty percent um, because it opens up. A couple of things. Number one, it opens up the number of players that would be available, right? There's only a limited number of left shot UFAs that would be, that would fit the spec. 
Uh, so there's more players that would be available. And number two, I just think that with the flat salary cap, I think that yeah, there are more right. teams than ever before that are going to be willing to make some trades. Yeah, no. The one yeah. problem with the offer sheet idea, while in theory sounds great, is that 2021, the first round DB, the draft is defensive heavy. And with the Kings, yeah. if there's one criticism that you would want to have about their prospect pool, and, and it's it's not even a criticism, but if there was one thing that you would like to add as kind of the cherry on top, it would be mm-hmm. that crown jewel defenseman. And so I think that the Kings, they're trying to find that perfect balance between they want to be competitive uh, this coming season, they want to try to push for playoff the playoffs, at the same time they do want to try to have a solid pick in that first round to get that you know, that extra defenseman. And so yeah. I guess maybe, maybe you're not that worried about it. If you do, if you do make an offer sheet and you were able to land the player, then, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's not as important, um, but right. you're really pushing all your chips to the middle of the table and you're hoping, you know, uh, that that's going to work out with that particular player. And, and look, oh, I mean, I hey, think that player would work out. Well, uh, yeah, I know. going to win a cup in Tampa. Yeah, well, sure. A, a known a known commodity is always better, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. in theory, I, right? I mean, I, I get your point on that, right? Exactly. Just what what do you do um, with respect to that? And right, do you pull the trigger? And that's the other thing, John, is that there's going to be some teams tricks that are going to be really, you know, it's not even the cap, John. I mean, I've heard as well, like there's some teams that are getting directives from their owners that were maybe cap teams, not even 70, 72 million. There's going to be significant budget. So there's the opportunity to get in and get a player of significance on the left side could be greater. So with respect to your take on making a trade, I can see that happening come, you know, the beginning of the season, the last couple of weeks before the season starts. Like you might have some teams that have to move on some players and, and the Kings can have to move in maneuverability. And they may not even, that might even be a full salary they have to take on. They might say, okay, we'll take a guy, but you got to retain some salary. We'll throw a sweetener in. So yeah, I, I could see that happening. I can't see it happening in a draft. I could see it a couple of weeks before the season started and some teams are going to be in, in really tough shape there. Yeah, I think I think you're onto something there, DB, in the sense of from a timing standpoint. I don't think this yeah. is going to want to be, this is going to be one of those early off-season things just because everybody's going to wait as long as they possibly can right. to understand what the economics are. Are they opening up in, in, in December with fans in the building? Are they not opening up until yeah. February with fans in the building? Because the economics change, the budgets change dramatically right. based upon right. the ticket revenue because as, as any astute hockey fan knows, hockey is the, the the one pro league that is heavy gate driven that's where the revenues yeah. are derived it's not a tv contract league like the nhl so you're going to want to wait it out as long as possible to gain as much information as possible and when you get down to that final 11th hour or close to it and you you now are faced with the reality of hey these are the budgets that we're dealing with then your hands are a little bit more tied and you have to push a player out there might be something there that's an opportunity uh db before we wrap up here real quickly and thank you for joining us from from quarantine i'm sure you have a lot of things to do i mean you have you have you have the one bedroom to go to you have the sofa in the other room you have you know uh you have hot pockets in the other room microwave popcorn i will tell you so listen to this though Uh, every night for some reason Sportsnet they televise all the dodger games so every night love it the dodgers are on tv up here Fantastic. Crazy. Well, that's, I, know, crazy. I mean, with all apologies to Ted Turner, let's face it, the Dodgers are not only America's team, it's North America's team. I mean, let, let's be real. <laughs> okay, 
Well, so at least in Canada, apparently they they prefer National League Baseball as well. See, so I'm sorry to all the Blue Jays fans. Apparently, Sportsnet knows that real baseball is played in the National League. Uh, but last year, not this year. I, I know. I I knew the minute I said it. I knew you were going to try to bring this up. I know. It's it's it, it's they heartbreaking what they're what they're doing baseball. to the game. They're they're damaging no. it. They're ruining it. The credibility of Seven the game. Don't get me started. Run, Don't run uh, let let's put. I know. Let's put. Let's let's put yeah. nine players on the power play in the NHL and try to increase the scoring. And if this game. <laughs> is tied after two periods let's just play it like you know yeah, peewee hockey put all the players on the ice and let's just let's play with two pucks how about that let's just do that too <laughs> while we're at it uh <laughs> back to hockey um yeah. i wanted to just get your get your thoughts here we're, we're in the middle of the, the the conference finals um i i have de- <laughs> it's funny db we're wrong so often anybody who makes a right. prediction it's wrong the minute that you make it right but I'm excited, fingers crossed, knock on wood, and I'm superstitious, so I can't believe I'm saying this on the podcast, but coming into the season, I had Tampa and Dallas in the in the cup final. Did you really? I, oh, yeah, wow. it's, it's on the fourthperiod.com. Shameless plug for you, but it's it's there. It's on the fourthperiod.com. Um, really? Now, I will tell you that coming into the return to play, I would have never said that because Dallas right. was really <laughs> sputtering and uh, yeah. uh, you know at the end of the, the regular season, and then they didn't do too well in the early part of the return to play, but then they, they right. sort of and then they were right for the picking with Calgary, but they, they nonetheless here they are Western Conference final. They have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. This is exciting that Dallas could end up facing Tampa Bay in the conference or in the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah. I'm just curious what you've seen. I mean, uh, in these first couple of games, <laughs> I love your tweet. If you what is it? If you can't beat uh, Tampa with nine forwards, then when are you gonna? When are you? I mean, yeah. that's, that's just a heartbreaker. They ripped. I mean, they ripped their heart out and they just oh. stomped on the ground and you know drove over yeah. it with a tractor trailer. But uh, backwards and forwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, any thoughts besides that? Any thoughts on what we've seen so far between I, the John, final four I teams? I just think it's Tampa's year. Mm-hmm. I think the moves that they made um, at the deadline when they got Barkley, Goudreau, and Blake Coleman, they know they needed sandpaper. They know they can't just be the most skilled team and they're going to win games 5-1, 4-1. The question now, John, is if they go on to win the Stanley Cup yeah. without Steven Santos, what do you do with Steven Santos? Like, yeah. they, they, they got cap issues. They got... They're going to be really strapped. I mean, he's got. A, I think he's got a no movement clause, but it's going to be tough. I just think it's Tampa's year. I just like all the components. The goalies. I think the save percentage is nine thirty four. They're clicking on those cylinders. You, know, you forget about a guy like Ryan McDonough, who was a stalwart in New York all those years. He's been playing great for them. I just think it's their year. I think they're going to outclass it. the Islanders. I'll give them one game in the series. I think they're out in five. And then and and John, I don't know what's going on with Vegas. The team can't score the thing with with Flurry and and Leonard. It's just they play when they need to play. Like that game, that series against Vancouver, John, should have been five games. Mm-hmm. Up three once. And they read their clippings and they take it easy. And they, I mean, John, you remember the team when they, the first season, you you went to Vegas a couple of That team was so intense, played hard every shift. They were a machine. Now, they were a machine, right? Dennis. Now, you know what happened, John? They all got paid. They all live in Summerlin. In yep. nice houses. And they take it easy. So they, they take, they've taken their gas off the accelerator a couple of times. I mean, Playing Chicago is like playing a bye, and then in Vancouver, Vancouver's on the rise, but they should have taken the Mountain Five. It's like they look like they play when they want to play. You know what and I? To say that, yeah, go ahead, John. No, 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 go ahead. I'm sorry, I, I, you were catching yeah, a breath. I didn't that, want to interrupt you. No, no, and to say that that you know, look, Casey Adorsi is great for them. Stone's a, a great player. Uh, Leonard's had all the shots, although he wouldn't be my goalie. But to say that Ryan Reed is invaluable to this team, like, all right, I mean, is he going to win the Conn Smythe? Is that is that how invaluable he is to the team? I know I know he set the tone and attitude, but this team has struggled to score all the way, you know, for the last ten days. It's just mystifying. And you know why, John? Because look, 
When you look at their lineup, William Carlson, uh, like, it's really a 2 seed. And now some nights they got Paul Stockley or Chandler Stevenson playing a 2 seed. They're not that good in the middle. That's the problem with the team. They traded Suzuki. Glass isn't ready yet. So they might get through the series, but I, I still think it's Tampa's year, even if Braden Point, that's a big injury with Braden Point, but I, I just think it's their year. Here's my take. Uh, I want to get back to Braden Point in just a second to close out the show, but here, here's my take on Vegas. They are the one team that has been impacted the most by the absence of fans. I, that yeah. whole team, their mm-hmm. culture, their identity, the the, the, the utter yeah. identity of that team is tied to what happens in Vegas, which, you know, you and right. I both said this before, and I think we're in agreement. It is the absolute best place to see a game in the National Hockey League right now. The atmosphere is unbelievable. And Where? all of the other teams have had to, you know, every, every building can get loud and you have your own sort of feel and flavor to your home building, um, but you're used to playing on the road because, you know, half your games are on the road. But the one yeah. team that I think hasn't been able to adjust to the lack of fans uh is vegas and i think they're the team that's been impacted the most during these these bubble uh games of all of the other teams and uh that's just that's my take is i I think it has a lot to do with the lack of fans and that atmosphere that they depend on probably more than any other team agreed okay carried them in in the first year carried them without that cup they're not i had a lot to do with it So here's my final comment on Braden Point. I just wanted to tell you uh, a funny story uh, with with Braden Point being in the news so much lately. Um, when he's uh, had some some big moments here in the playoffs, I always think of Mike Stuthers, of course, the longtime coach in Ontario. Stutz was uh, somebody who was a big fan, big proponent of Braden Point, and will tell anybody who would listen uh, about what a fantastic player this was. He's just a, he he appreciates him, he respects him, he thinks he's a great person, a great player, and. Um, Probably what listeners of the show have come to find out is that, you know, it, it, when you get the stamp of approval from Stutz, you know, uh, that A, that means a lot. And then B, you know, he's going to make sure that everybody knows about it. And so um, <laughs> he loves Braden Point so much that um, he used to show this is a true story. He used to show video clips of Braden Point to the rain players as he was like teaching and developing. It was really? a constant, it was constant B roll of Braden point to the point that Sutter, the captain of the team, I guess at one point um, had to ask, <laughs> had to ask, uh, 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 Stutz if he was uh Braden points agent, which is kind of funny because <laughs> of late people have asked me if I'm Stutz agent. So I guess it all comes full circle. So, um, yeah. there you go. So yes, if you're, if you're ever wondering, then Stutz is the agent for Braden Point. DB, it's been fabulous. Um, I, I would love to talk hockey with you for another hour or so. However, I don't want to keep you from quarantine and uh, no, all the stuff yeah. you have going on. So the Dodger game's probably <laughs> starting soon, so I'll let you get to that. Uh, c- continue to stay safe, my friend. You're missing nothing in Southern California, uh, and uh, can't wait to uh, have you back again, and we'll, we'll do another podcast soon. I, we're working on another guest, DB. We could be doing another show. Of course but, we are. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always something in the pipeline, but... Uh, well, your anniversary, John. It's been a great ride with you, man. DB, starting the podcast with you is one of the smartest things that I've ever done. It's been a fabulous uh, partnership. I truly appreciate your your friendship, your partnership, and uh, it, it's just been it's been great from day one. The moment that we started the podcast, we've had nothing but fun. And um, the reaction has been great. The fans love it. Listen more. Tweet less. We appreciate all of you. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
Virginia. William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook.